The EPA wants to crack down on pollution from power plants. These plants generate our electricity and, in a way, even power our transition to EVs. But the power sector is the second largest emitter of greenhouse gases. Some new proposed EPA regulations could help. So here to break it down for us is Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability Contributor and Director of Loyola University's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Hey, Karen, welcome back. Hey, Sasha, good to see you. Yes, you too. So we are actually going to get into the EPA's attempts to curb pollution from the nation's power grid in just a moment Karen. But while I have you, I want to first get your reaction to to some news that just came out this morning that the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled to limit the EPA's ability to police water pollution. Yeah, the, this, as you said, this just happened. And uh, this is a ruling on what's been a longstanding case that has been in the courts essentially for almost two decades. But it's the case of a family in Idaho that wanted to build a house and was stopped due to the understanding that there were wetlands that would be disturbed. So this is about wetlands. And the Supreme Court, essentially today, it looks like has really limited the EPA's ability to regulate wetlands. Mm. So this is a real a step back in terms of the EPA's authority to look at water. And this is a broad Clean Water Act question. It's, it's a real question of what are what they say is waters of the United States and how do we really value wetlands. So this is going to mm. unleash a lot of questions and increased ambiguity on construction and building um, but it, it looks like it's pairing back. And so that leaves questions about how do we ensure water quality locally? How will we think about flooding, particularly as we look at climate change exacerbating weather events? And, yeah. and wetlands can absorb that. So this really puts a lot in play. Uh, and it definitely is a step back for the EPA's ability to regulate. And a step back is never, never good. No. And the fact that this this case was coming, a lot of people have been watching this for a while. And the fact that this this Supreme Court was going to hear it suggested that there would be uh, a move to limit the authority. And we've already seen some of uh, some comments from environmental groups and others that are very concerned about how this looks mm-hmm. from the first cut. And uh, there have already been obviously the dissents within the Supreme Court writing about this. So we are seeing now a move to limit the EPA's authority. And this unlocks a lot of questions because wetlands are so prevalent, particularly across the Midwest, mm-hmm. and they have so many benefits to local environment and to health when we really think about water and local drinking water. So a lot to come on this one. So much there. But uh, let's, for the meantime, let's get back to this power grid conversation, Karen. Lay out the EPA's proposed regulations for us. So the EPA has recently proposed regulations. Essentially, it's called a carbon pollution standard, and it's focused on power plants. And fossil fuels still power the majority of the electricity in the United States. And these are regulations that are proposed that look at setting essentially pollution caps on existing coal and gas power plants. Mm-hmm. And then also look at caps essentially for new gas plants. This uh, directly relates to coal and, and gas-powered plants. So to remind us of the landscape of the grid here in Illinois. So we get our power off of the grid that links us to multiple other states, and it has a significant portion that's nuclear, a significant portion that's coal, and then a mix of natural gas and obviously some renewables. In addition, then, inside the state of Illinois, we produce a great deal of this power. So we have nuclear power plants, one of the largest fleets here, uh, gas plants, coal plants, and wind that are all of scale in Illinois. So we do see a mix, and this absolutely does have implications then for the power we'll receive and also the power we'll make in the state. Yeah. Well, let's get back to what I mentioned in the intro. Talk about the importance of reducing emissions from the power sector itself. Why is that a, a big deal? The power sector is essentially the second largest source of carbon emissions in the U.S., 
And it was number one, actually, for a long time. And it's been decarbonizing a bit over time. And at the same time, transportation has become the largest. But if you think about how the U.S. and how President Biden will look at achieving goals on carbon emissions nationally, Mm -hmm. this is a piece that's critical. And so this would be the first time that the government regulates emissions from existing power plants if this holds up through everything that is likely to come. Mm. So how much could the rules reduce greenhouse gas emissions if it's adopted the way it is? If it's adopted the way it is, I think the numbers are 617 million tons. It's multiple percents, though. Like if you think about the, uh, President Biden's goals, the biggest chunk of reduction is likely to come from the Inflation Reduction Act. So that's kind of 40 plus percent of his goal. Uh, but this adds several more percentage points to that, and every point really counts here. So this is a very specific proposed set of regulations that would directly impact carbon emissions at scale across the country. And let's talk about the importance here on lessening air pollution and improving health outcomes. That's a critical part of this. And when the EPA comes forward with regulations, it always quantifies their expectations. So the big picture is they think that this would provide a net benefit of $85 billion to the U.S. by 2042. Mm -hmm. So significant benefits. And that's really rooted in health And so in thinking about how power plants might adjust to these caps and reduce emissions, you would also reduce particulate matter. You'd reduce sulfur dioxide. You'd reduce nitrogen oxide. And the EPA always estimates that. So the estimates from this proposed regulation are that by 2030, we would see 1,300 fewer premature deaths. Mm. Um, As we think about, it's one of the things that happens so frequently in Chicago in particular is asthma cases. So they're projecting nationally this would have 300,000 fewer cases of asthma attacks. And so they quantified in terms of those really tangible health benefits. And the EPA is proposing that this would have very significant net benefits across the country. And so it also sounds like these these regulations give power plans some, some flexibility on how they want to go about limiting their emissions, right? Tell us more about technologies that they could turn to. Yeah, this a key part of this is that it sets pollution caps. It doesn't say how you get there. And so that does create all of the flexibility for gas and for coal plants to figure out how to reduce these emissions. Mm-hmm. They use equivalent language on things like carbon capture. So that's really an expectation that you would be pulling some of the carbon out from emissions. And uh, on the gas side, there's language that's equivalent to essentially using hydrogen. So those are examples of the fundamental technology transformation that could happen, but that's what's the option as plants then would meet these regulation caps, essentially Mm. these pollution caps. So there's a lot that's in play here. Uh, And what about in Illinois? What's possible? Yeah, in Illinois, uh, anything that's possible nationally is possible here, but you have to look at, like, what's the fleet? What do we actually have happening in Illinois? And one of the key things about this is that it's phased. So when the regulations come in, happens at different times, mm-hmm. and it also impacts different sizes of plants. So it's the most stringent expectations are for the largest plants that are running almost all the time, so kind of in, in energy line, just sort of base load power. Many of the regulations for existing coal plants don't even hit until kind of 2032. So any coal plant that is planning to close before then really doesn't have to do anything. It's going to be out of the picture. So if you look at Illinois, one of the things I looked at is we have a, there's a very large coal plant, Prairie State, is yeah. fairly new. That is one that I anticipate would have to think about these regulations because it is likely planning to be in operation uh, well beyond when mm. these kick in. And so that's a plant, as an example, in Illinois that is likely going to have to figure out how to comply if all of these regulations do come into play in the way that they're currently being proposed. And there's money in the um, Inflation Reduction Act, right, to, to make the transition easier? 
Is that right? Yeah, this is an interesting combination, uh, the carrot and the stick kind of combination, in that the Inflation Reduction Act, the biggest move to reduce carbon emissions from a, a single regulation or a single uh, piece of legislation, has called $370 billion to decarbonize the economy in many, many ways. Embedded in that are tax incentives and other financial incentives around things like carbon capture. And so that does reduce, that has the potential to really reduce the costs. And so when the EPA looks at a regulation like this, they have to look at technology that exists at costs that are reasonable. And so the fact that the Inflation Reduction Act exists in the background Mm -hmm. makes it an easier case when you're thinking about the costs being reasonable to comply. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking with Reset sustainability contributor Karen Weigert about a proposed policy from the Biden administration that could lower pollution from power plants across the country. And we reached out to Midwest Generation, which runs several plants across the state for comment, and we did not hear back in time for this broadcast. So, Karen, the key word here, as we're talking about this, is, is proposed, right? So these are actually proposed rules from the EPA. Uh, now, given this morning's ruling from the Supreme Court that we, we touched on there, what is next for these regulations? So the first thing that's next is they, they officially get announced, and then there's a public comment period. So these are regulations that don't have to go through congressional votes. It's the EPA working under its understanding of its authority. So the first thing is a, a public comment period where everyone will jump in and, yeah. and have a view. Uh, there are all sorts of intricacies in the way this is written for uh, plants that are on consistently, so plants that run all the time, plants that run less frequently. There's, as I said, different levels of yeah. requirements. So there will be a lot of comments about all the different implications here. And uh, after that public comment period, then the EPA will absorb the information, and then it will issue final rules, probably Mm -hmm. in a year, give or take. Uh, But so that's the process that happens. It's not until you have the final rules that the suits will start and the lawsuits will start. And over that time, is it possible that things can get watered down? And can the EPA keep that from happening? Well, this is really the EPA has to respond to what it hears. So lots of organizations will officially provide comments here. Okay. And uh, some of them will probably help the EPA get more detailed information on different kinds of power plants, how this might assist or be a challenge. Uh, but fundamentally, this is in the EPA's hands yeah. uh, to write the regulation, having had input, and to write it in a way to achieve the goal that they have, which is obviously both to primarily to regulate carbon. This is a carbon rule, but then to also get those health benefits yeah. that are a key key opportunity for this to be something that is experienced positively across the economy. Now, if we go back to 2014, Karen, we will recall the the Obama administration wrote sweeping regulations trying to, you know, do the same thing, crack down on pollution and emissions from power plants. Remind us what happened there? The Obama administration really made the first attempt to regulate carbon from existing power plants. It was the Clean Power Plan. And you're absolutely right. It was very broad legislation Uh, very broad proposed regulation, and it quite honestly was never implemented. The first thing that happened is it went to the Supreme Court very quickly, and the Supreme Court put a stay on it. So they basically said pause. And then after that, the Trump administration came in and obviously didn't pursue it, pursued an alternate. But that's the the case that actually reappeared last summer before the Supreme Court. Mm. And so the Obama administration had looked broadly. The Supreme Court ruled last summer that it had gone too far. And it was much narrower in what it would allow the EPA to do to regulate carbon. A key thing in there, though, is they, the Supreme Court essentially did affirm that the EPA can regulate carbon 
as air pollution. Yeah. That's from a different Supreme Court case. That goes back to 2008. I see. Uh, but last summer, that essentially was affirmed, but it was really narrowed. So the Biden administration it, it is really looking at that, it appears. And so this new regulation is very targeted. It is directly to power plants mm-hmm. within the fence line, as it were. So it's just regulating the power plant, which is very clearly what they can do. And what do you make of this new slew of rulings? Uh, well, the Supreme Court rulings, that's a, there's a very interesting question about what the EPA will uh, be confined to do or allowed to do over time. Uh, in parallel, you have the Biden administration really pushing as many levers as it can or pulling as many levers as it can when you think about carbon, because this this EPA proposed regulation is right on the heels of rules that are proposed for methane and right on the heels of a push on EV. And you combine those with the Inflation Reduction Act, and President Biden is looking at numbers that could get him to his campaign goals mm-hmm. on reducing U.S. national carbon emissions, uh, dropping it by 50 percent by 2030 and potentially reducing it by 2050. Because these proposed regulations are essentially about pulling carbon out of electricity by about 2040. Hmm. Lots to keep your eye on, Karen. So I'm curious what you will be focused on. Well, very near term, I want to continue to watch how people respond to these proposed regulations. Obviously, we're going to a public comment period, but there's some details in the regulations that actually might make it more palatable to more folks. And in particular, it's things like the regulations require fewer reductions for plants that are on intermittently. What's important about that is those are the plants that come on when you need it that keep the grid stable. So the argument of this might destabilize the grid is probably lessened because of things like that. So we really have to watch industry response here. And then separately in water, we have to see really what the implications are in terms of what does this restriction on the definition of wetlands really mean and what's it going to mean for communities across the country when they think about their drinking water and their flood protection. Karen Weigert is Reset's Sustainability Contributor. Thank you so much, Karen. Great to talk to you. Appreciate the update.